minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death construction. In the fields of bodies burning. As the war machine keeps turning. Death and hatred to mankind. Poisoning Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the last week of 2018 on the Anarchist World This Week. That's if you use the Judeo-Christian calendar, if you use a Buddhist calendar, a Hindu calendar, a Muslim calendar, a Jewish calendar. Well, it's another year. It doesn't really matter, does it, really? A day is a day. So it's the end of the year. So what? It's the Anarchist World This Week. Broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. My name is Joe Toscano. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. If you know what anarchy is all about, anarchos without rulers. It's about creating a society without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? Well, you break down... The two concepts which give rulers their power. Inequalities in power and wealth. That's right. So what you attempt to do is you attempt to decentralise or devolve power, give power to people through processes which allows them to be involved in decision-making processes and direct democracies. One concept. The difference between anarchism, obviously, and parliamentary democracies in parliamentary democracy You give a representative power to make decisions for you over the next three to four years. In anarchist society, you make the decisions and then you elect or appoint delegates to coordinate those decisions at a local, national and international level. And those delegates come back to have uh, those decisions ratified if those decisions need to be changed. Very simple concept. It's about making decisions about ideas. Yes, it is hard work. Because anarchism is hard work. It's hard work because it's about participation. It's about participation in all aspects of your life. It's about making decisions about your life. It's about creating a society where wealth is held in common so that everybody can uh, maximise their uh, returns. Not economic returns, but maximise their ability to develop themselves to their fullest potential. Now, people say to me, Jay, you're obviously... Off your planet, off the planet, crazy. You know, I've been broadcasting over 41 years on the Anarchist World this week in various guises. You're off the planet, crazy. How can you expect people to cooperate and work together? We're all individuals. We all work against each other. It's a dog-eat-dog world. Well, maybe it's a dog-eat-dog world today because we have created institutional structures and political structures and social structures and cultural structures which allow a small group of people, rulers, 
either in an economic sense or a political sense or a social sense, to set the political, social, cultural agenda of the society we live in. So ultimately, we find ourselves in this situation because we have put our trust, our faith in rulers. We have lost the ability to think that we have the capacity to make decisions for ourselves about our lives. So this isn't some, you know, some, you know, airy fairy garbage program about, you know, you make decisions and you will be acquiring things. Not this is about a program that understands that the individual is responsible for their individual acts, but the individual working collectively and cooperative with individuals around them is responsible for the creation of a society which allows people to reach their maximum potential. And we don't have that today. We have an unequal society. We have a society where in Australia 700,000 people out of 25 million need food aid. And this is supposed to be a rich society. We have a society where one in three Australians have to rely on the social security system to survive. So what have we seen in 2018? Well, it's been a fascinating year. Well, not really. It's been more of the same crap, hasn't it, really, when you think about it. It's about more power being concentrated in the hands of fewer people, more wealth being concentrated in the hands of fewer corporations and individuals. It's very simple. The story since the demise of the Whitlam Labor government in 1975 has been the the story of deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation. And now, 40 years later, 40-plus years later, we are reaping the benefits as a society and as individuals and as families and as communities of allowing this type of economic, social, cultural mumbo-jumbo dominate all aspects of our lives. Now, I hate to... Well, I think it's appropriate we use a biblical analogy... As you know, you throw seeds on barren soil, they won't germinate. What we've done is we've thrown seeds on semi-barren soil, they've grown stunted, not enough there to feed us because somebody else seems to have uh, reaped the benefits. So, look, I could pontificate, you know, for days, weeks, years. Maybe I could talk continuously for 10 years. It's not going to change anything. You know that and I know that. And I could click on my little clicker on my, you know, on the website or whatever, and my little computer go, like, 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 and look at all the YouTubes I like and read all the analysis I like in, you know, the old uh, legacy meter in newspapers and listen to all the radio programs I like and watch all the television programs I like and get onto Netflix and, you know, you know, and do all these wonderful things in the in the virtual realm. But the reality is change doesn't occur until people begin to take action. And I think the lesson of 2018 is the fact that there has been such little action in our society. Australian political, cultural and social life in 2018 has been dominated 
by social issues. Not that social issues are not important, but that is the domination, that is the fixation of the political process. There has been no attempts, and the key word is N-O, no attempts, no significant attempts, not even minor attempts, to change the economic fundamentals which cause so much harm to so many Australians. Because harm comes in many ways. It comes in the fact that obviously you don't have enough to enjoy the good things in life. But harm also comes in the fact that people are mortgaged up to their necks or they got, you know, bills up to their necks. And they have to spend most of their lives working in unsatisfactory, poorly paid jobs in order to meet their financial commitments, not to have a roof over their heads. So you may call yourself middle class or upper middle class, but if you're burdened by debt, if you don't have enough resources, you know, to live your life, well, then you're just as much as a victim as the 30% of Australians who rely on Social Security benefits to survive. And what we've seen politically in this country over the last year, in 2018, is the inability and unwillingness of governments at the state, local and federal level to tackle the important issues. And this has occurred... Because our representatives, those people we give a blank cheque to to make decisions for us for the next three to four years, don't fear us. They don't fear the electorate. They fear that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication which dominates the political process. They fear the parliamentary puppet masters. That's who they fear. They don't care about you. Every three to four years you cast a ballot in a process which is so highly stylized and rigid the chances of any significant change occurring are nil. Not minimal, nil. So that's why we see the major and the minor political parties to a significant degree all have the same economic agenda. They all support capitalism. They all support the... uh, creation of economic structures and social structures and cultural structures which are designed to extract the maximum amount of profit irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. I mean, anybody has to look at the Royal Commissions which governments have been forced to hold because of pressure from people into various aspects of life in this country to understand that hierarchical institutions, whether it's a church or a mosque or a corporation, basically, in our society, do what they like. And it can take generations for the harm that's been caused to come to light, let alone any redress or significant redress being made. So, Joe, so, Joe, Here you are, pontificating again. What are you suggesting? Well, I know this must be a little bit tedious for the regular listeners to the program, but look, if you want change, we need to move away from issue-orientated politics. I'm not saying desert issue 
dictated politics, but we need to go to the core, to the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter is inequalities in power and wealth. And this takes a lot of work to actually attempt to address these issues. Because it's only when those inequalities in power and wealth are swept away that we have the capacity to create a society where each and every one of us's needs, at least our physical needs, are met. And if your physical needs are met, sometimes it's a good way to actually tackle those other needs. So what are we proposing? Well, what I've been proposing has been spectacularly unsuccessful to date. We've been proposing that people take mass action. We're proposing that people protest, not once in a year, but regularly on the same issue. And next year we'll be unveiling a campaign the second week of January, which gives you the potential to become involved in a campaign that will have major ramifications, could have major, not will, could have major ramifications for society as a whole. Could have. But again, it's development participation. Now, I think 2018 was interesting because it has actually defined, defined the political and social differences in our country. Because what we are seeing is the political process now being dominated by socially progressive and economically conservative forces in our society. And the Liberal Party and the National Party, to a lesser degree, have are paying the price for ignoring, for continuing to champion conservative and reactionary social positions when the rest of the community wants to meet, move forward on these social issues. So we have a number of different Australians which we can actually define who will form the backbone of any emerging social and political movement and we are finding ourselves in a difficult situation not just in this country but around the world because what we are seeing is these social and economic conditions which led to the 1920s and 30s and the rise of fascism in Europe and Asia being replicated in 2018 but it doesn't have to be that way because Hate and fear does not have to be the predominant political, social and cultural force in our society. And obviously there are people in government and in opposition and in the extra-parliamentary movement who grow fat on hate and fear, who grow fat on promoting division within society. And we need to be able to harness people who are not just socially progressive, but also economically progressive, people who want to 
redefine how we create wealth and distribute wealth. So there are four basically groups in society, in Australian society in 2018. And it's really not linked that much to the weekly income. I mean, you've got people who are socially progressive and economically conservative. And they seem to be beating the drum because they seem to be that group that is willing to change its political allegiance and move from the Greens to the ALP, from the Liberal National Party to the Greens or the ALP. Then you've got the socially conservative and economic conservatives who have basically dominate the Liberal National Party in 2018. Forces which have strangled those parties. Forces which are shrinking their support base. Then you've got people like us that are socially progressive and economic radicals. We want to redistribute wealth. We understand that fundamental changes need to be made to the economic system in order to ensure that each and every person in this country enjoys the fruits of the wealth of this country, not just a minority who continue to grow rich at the expense of us as individuals, as communities and as a nation. And then we have those people that are economically progressive but socially conservative. So you've got these four disparate groups in the community and you could be a social security recipient and be economically progressive and socially conservative. And it's this group, this growing group in the community which is at the bottom of the economic pile, the bottom feeders, those who wait for the crumbs to be brushed off the corporate table into the tax system, which is then redistributed to them. Who are the lost, forgotten political force in this country? Who the ultra-right is recruiting amongst by claiming that the situation they find themselves in is directly linked to the fact that we have, you know, too many Muslims in the country or too many gays in the country or, you know, or too many, um, and it goes on and on. These people who divide us for their short-term political gains which cause destruction in the community. And this is a real force which has been growing, not just in Australia but around the world. Well, you see, people who are disadvantaged, who've been written out the corporate sector's mantra, Bible, Koran, who are now looking to strong leaders, in inverted commas, to save them, 
They're looking at themselves to save them. They're looking at strong leaders to save them. The Trumps of the world, the Putins of the world, the Churches of the world, and the list goes on and on. You know, all these people who think that somehow that you give somebody ultimate political authority that they somehow they're going to help you. As the Rust Belt is fine in the United States of America, a vote for a billionaire who doesn't pay any tax, legally and illegally, for generations, ain't going to change your fundamental powerlessness. So here we have it. We have the socially progressive and the economic conservatives who are currently setting the debate as they move from one political party to another political party. We have the ALP, which has now adopted many social progressive uh, policies, which they never would have adopted 20 or 30 years ago, but have now renounced their economic radical redistribution approach to a very conservative approach. As we saw, I mean, the the Labor conference a few weeks ago kind of made a hellabaloo of the fact they were going to give all this money, I think $6 billion or something, to the housing sector. Were they going to pump it into the public housing sector? No. They were going to give the money to investors to provide low-cost accommodation for people. And that's how they're going to resolve the housing crisis. Well, I had a crap. So we are still seeing that privatisation, corporatisation agenda dominate both cultural, cultural, social and economic life in this country. So you've got the socially progressive and economically conservative. You've got the social, you've got the social conservative and economic progressives. You've got the social conservatives, sorry, social progressives and economic progressives, which is us. And you've got those conservative. So how do we, as a group of people who have a particular idea about breaking down power and sharing wealth, how do we function in 2019? How do we create a political, social and cultural movement which has something significant to say in our society? I think the backbone for this movement was set in April 2015 and half a dozen people gathered in Frankston to launch public interests before corporate interests. A political party and a social movement. It's not just a political party. A political party and a social movement which is inclusive, socially progressive and economically radical. Because currently... In the political machinations which are occurring, there is no political party which is inclusive, socially progressive and economically radical. And that's what sets us apart 
It's not the fact that we're inclusive, some political parties are inclusive, others aren't. Not the fact that we're socially progressive, some political parties are socially progressive, and some aren't. But the fact that we are economically radical. That we want to fundamentally change the system we have in a peaceful, non-violent manner. We're radical reformers, not necessarily revolutionaries. And this agenda is based on widening the tax base, introducing real competition into the economic sector. Because regular listeners to the anarchist world this week will know that fundamentally what we have is an exceptionally conservative economic system which is dominated by corporations whose major and only responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. That is the reality we face. And when these people have so much economic power, they then determine the political agenda. They then, we then see legislation which is passed, which addresses their concerns to maximise their profits. Legislation like negative gearing, and the list goes on and on and on. The problem of corporate welfare, that's right, corporate welfare, is a significant problem which no one talks about in this country. And what is corporate welfare? When the taxpayer pays a private corporation, whether it's for profit or not for profit, to provide a service at exorbitant costs or provides a direct grant to the corporate sector or provides tax breaks, which nobody else is actually able to access. So public interest before corporate interests wants to be registered as a political party as well as be part of a growing social movement which is both economically radical, socially progressive and inclusive. And to do that, we need more members. It's that simple. The political process is structured in such a way in this country that in order to be a federal political party, which gives you certain advantages as far as the political process is concerned and elections is concerned, is you need 550 members on the electoral roll. We currently have around 400. We need about another 150 before we can apply for registration. And applications have been painfully slow. Painfully slow. Because people somehow think that if we get involved in socially progressive movements that somehow things will radically alter. But they won't. Capitalist society, corporate capitalism, can incorporate any socially progressive movement into it. It cannot incorporate a radical economic movement that has a radical economic agenda. And our economic agenda is very simple. To one, introduce competition within a marketplace which is dominated by the corporate sector. And you introduce competition in two ways. One, 
you have a strong public sector. So there is real competition between the private and public sector. What we've seen over the last 40 years is the privatisation. That's right. The privatisation of almost every public asset imaginable, from airports to titles office to ports to uh, essential services, telecommunications, you name it, it's been privatised. Even to the provision of services which have been outsourced to the private sector. And what this outsourcing ensures is that 40% of every dollar which goes into providing a service goes to the provider, not the service. That's why you can pump in tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars into the homeless industry and you still have homelessness because it's a bloody industry. So real competition and by providing seeding funding for cooperatives and collectives to provide a third economic force. Nobody gets rich by being a member of a cooperative or collective, but their basic human needs are met. They can look after their uh, responsibilities. They can enjoy their lives. They can have safe, secure, stable Employment, and they can actually compete against the private sector and the public sector, giving people a third mechanism via which to create wealth. It's just the first thing we want to do. We want to introduce real competition, not this bodgy competition. Real competition by having a strong public sector, a corporate or a private sector, and a cooperative and collective sector. And the problem with a cooperative and collective sector is nobody wants to provide seeding funding to allow cooperatives and collectives to get off the ground. The financial institutions won't do it. The banks won't do it. The government of the day won't do it. So it is a, a central plank of public interest before corporate interest platform, a strong cooperative and collective centre and a strong sector and a strong public sector to provide real competition in a marketplace, which is currently dominated by corporations. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Scanner. I'm hosting today's program. That's it. Last program of the year. Hosting the program. I'll talk more about it later on. So what else do we want to do? What else does public interest before corporate interest want to do? Obviously, we're inclusive. We welcome people of all races, colours, religions, nationalities, genders, sexual orientation. We are a socially progressive group. But we are radical economic. We have a radical economic agenda. We want to redistribute wealth. We want to change the way wealth is created. We want to create security for the maximum number of people in our society. That's what we want to do. This is the Anarchist World This Week, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Scott. I'm hosting this program. It's been broadcast across Australia, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This is the last program for 2018 for the Anarchist World This Week. Yes, we will be broadcasting in 2019. And you can listen into the Anarchist World This Week next week. 
on your local community radio station or you can access the podcast. Now let's get back to what we're talking about. So what? So we're inclusive, economically radical. What else do we propose? We propose an extension of the taxation system in order to ensure that everybody, not just pay as you earn taxpayers, but everybody in this community, every corporation, every business, pays its fair share of tax. So how do we propose to do that? We propose, one, to introduce a 1% turnover tax. That's right, a 1% turnover tax on companies which have a turnover greater than $2 million per year. So it doesn't matter whether you're some high-flying transnational corporation, a dollar goes to you from, you know, from Australia. Ka-ching, tax, 1% turnover tax. A 1% stock market tax. That's right, for every share transaction. 1% tax. Bingo. You can raise at least 50 to $60 billion per year in Australia. Not a big impost on the corporate sector, which basically pays voluntary taxation in a significant number of cases in this country. We can eliminate corporate welfare. If a corporation can't stand on its own two feet, why should the taxpayer, why should the taxpayer prop them up? Why should the taxpayer prop them up so they can actually maximise their profits? For example, I think this is the 10th anniversary of the global financial crisis, the biggest crisis since the depression of the 1920s. Huge issue. Huge issue. We could have all, the whole stack of cards could have come tumbling down. They didn't. They were glued together with super glued, but they may come tumbling down sooner or later. And they will. Not may, but will. The problem is, if people don't pay their fair share of tax, especially corporations, everybody suffers. And what we've seen in 2018 is the marginalisation criminal and criminalisation of all those sections, all those people in Australia who cannot earn a living, in inverted commas, who through circumstances, whether it's disability, whether it's old age, whether it's the inability to find work, who cannot earn a living? One in three Australians, 700,000 on food support, hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands homeless, hundreds of thousands couch surfing. The jail's full of people who are there because of economic disadvantage. And what we've seen in the last few years is a deliberate attempt to criminalise and marginalise people who are down on their luck, who need support. And we have a social security system in this country. And this social security system wasn't given, given to people because they were good people. This social security system was forged from the blood, sweat and tears of generations of Australians who demanded that the state look after the individual 
and whether it's a workers' compensation scheme, whether it's a disability support pension, whether it's a single parent's benefit, whether it's an old age pension, and the list goes on and on. That's what a social security scheme is about. But no, we don't have a social security scheme in this country. And if there's one thing which sickens me to the pit of my stomach is the way language is used to criminalise, marginalise and ostracise people who cannot or are unable to defend themselves. We have a welfare system. Hmm? We dole out stuff to people. We have a welfare system. It's not a system. See, the social security system was introduced for two reasons. One, and the most important reason, to provide social security. If you don't look after the needs of people who cannot temporarily or permanently look after themselves, you create a criminal underclass. You create social division. You create circumstances which lead to violence which cannot be policed. A level of violence which cannot be policed away. You won't have enough jails. So a social security system was introduced for two reasons. One, to maintain order in society. And two, to ensure that people's needs, basic human needs were met. And what we've seen over the last few decades is this specific policy which is policies which are aimed at criminalizing marginalizing people on social security their welfare you give them welfare and even the you know august government guild at abc talks about welfare 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 it's not welfare it's social security benefit it benefits everybody from the very richest to the very poorest it it benefits the very poorest because it gives them the social and economic assistance they need in order to survive. And it gives the very rich that security which is needed in order for a society to function. So is it about time we, you know, stopped using words like welfare, dole bludger, the dole? And I find it extraordinary that many activists in this field use the same terminology to describe themselves as the state uses to dehumanise them. Think about it. So what do we want? As I said before, you widen the taxation system. And the last thing, important political demand we have, and again, every political party's demands and policies is a universal basic income which you would finance by expanding the social security system. So what is a universal basic income? Because of increasing automation and increasing population growth, you do not need everybody in society to be involved in the productive process in order for society to function. You cannot tie a person's existence to the type of work they do. And as a society, we need to tackle this issue of underemployment and unemployment, which is a huge issue in our society. It doesn't matter how low you push wages. 
underemployment, unemployment will continue to grow as we continue to automate, as we continue to use artificial, as we develop artificial intelligence. We will find there is no role for a significant proportion of the population in the workforce. And if we use the workforce as the single most important mechanism by which to determine what income individuals derive, then we've got a major issue as a country and as a world. Because we need to realign the concept of income. Not an income based on a wage slavery, where you've got to work for somebody else or you know exploit other people through investments in order to make a buck but an income system which is guaranteed by the society you find yourself in. And that's what a universal basic income is. Now, you can have a basic income which is means-tested, which is really, in, in the end, a waste of time because you need a huge bureaucracy to find out who and who isn't eligible. But you can put it on its head. We have a reasonably effective taxation system. It may not be effective as far as... Uh, the corporate world is concerned, but it is effective as far as individual taxpayers is concerned to a significant degree. So universal basic income would, 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 would be determined by a, le- a regulatory authority which would be set up by the whole of parliament, like a parliamentary committee, not by the government, but a, the whole of parliament. As I said, like a committee system. They would determine after you know, consultation with specific experts what it would be an income which is necessary in order for people to survive comfortably in society if they cannot access work. Now, every person, 18 and over, would receive that income. But on the 30th of June, when people need to lodge their tax returns after the 30th of June, if you earn no extra income apart from your universal basic wage, well then... You don't pay tax. If you earn four times more than the universal basic wage, you give back that money via the taxation system. And if you earn in between, well, there's a sliding scale. So that way, you don't need some huge bureaucracy and you don't need to jump through all these increasingly difficult hoops in order to access a basic income. Everybody gets it. But when the tax is paid at the end of the year or at the end of the financial year, those who earn four times more, you know, you return it and those that don't, you know, keep it. It's very simple. And again, this solves a lot of issues because it allows people to live productive lives. It allows people to live a productive lives whether they are or are not part of the wage system. It allows us as a society to tackle the issues of automation, artificial intelligence, in a way that benefits all of society, not just those people who own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. It's what public interest before corporate interest is about. It is a political party and social movement which is willing to use the ballot box and direct action to promote these ideas within our community today and tomorrow. 
And in order for this organisation to be successful, we need members. It's very simple. We need members. We need members who are on the electoral roll so we can actually register as a federal political party. We need members who are willing to come out on the streets with us on specific campaigns, some about economic change, some about social progressive issues. Because you can listen to this program as much as you like. You can, you know, talk to your friends as much as you like. You can click as many buttons on your computer as much as you like. You can watch as many films as much as you like. You can listen to any radio program. You can read as many newspapers as you like. But ultimately, whether the change that we are promoting occurs will be determined by the number of people we are able to able to encourage to join us. So, if you listen to the Anarchist World this week, you want to make a New Year's resolution, it is the end of the year, a few more days before 2019 bursts forth, well, this is your chance to make this a New Year resolution. This is your chance to join public interest before corporate interests. Very simple, public interest before corporate interests. You can download the application form from pipsy.net, P-I-B-C-I.net, pipsy, P-I-B-C-I.net. Very simple, download the application form. Ain't got a computer? You can always write to me for applications form, Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at info at pipsy.net, info at pipsy.net. Net. And you can leave a message for app with a contact address on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. We'll send you out an application form. As I said before, this is going to be a priority for 2019 to build up the numbers and the activities that public interest before corporate interest is involved in. Because what I have noticed over the last two decades is Socially progressive and economically radical people removing themselves from the parliamentary struggle, removing themselves from the electoral process and allowing economically conservative and socially conservative elements to dominate the crossbenches in parliament, both at the state and federal level. And it's time this was turned on its head. Because I don't want to live, be living in a society in 10 years' time if I'm still alive, which is always debatable at my age, where some economically conservative and socially conservative elements, which have minimal following in the community, who are able to rot the parliamentary system, hold the balance of power in Parliament. So this is your chance, as I said, New Year's revolu- resolution, join public interest before corporate interests. Download the application form, pipsy, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Ain't got a computer? Ring up 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. Leave a contact address and we'll send you out application forms. Or you can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. While we're going through this, look, there's a number of websites I'd like you to look at. 
this is the time of year where, you know, people, things kind of grind to a halt. Not here at the Anarchist Media Institute. Things never grind to a halt. So a few websites. You can look at my um, Facebook page, Toscano for the Public. Toscano for the Public. You can look at the Tanaminaway Moorbohina website because the, we'll be celebrating or we'll be marking that, commemorating the 177th anniversary of the execution of Tanaminaway and Moorbohina. Two Indigenous freedom fighters on the 20th of January, listening to the program next week, the first program in 2019, which will be devoted, totally devoted to the Tanaminaway and Moorbohina saga and what we can do in 2001, sorry, in 2019, I just lost 18 years there, in 2019, to honour those men, women and children whose blood soaks this ground as part of the colonisation and brutalisation of a colonisation process, which was which was actively designed to create genocide. So we can grow a few more sheep, believe it or not. So, it is the end of the year. It is the last week of 2018. You do have options. While you draw breath, you have options. Everybody has options. Whether we elect to take a take up those options is always an issue because we're all drowning in the minutiae of everyday existence. All those things we need to do in order to satisfy ourselves and those people around us. All those things we have to do in order to pay all those bills. All those things, all those social and community and familial responsibilities we have to do. It's quite funny. I find it quite funny in many regards. We have people who say to me, well, Joe, I'm too young. I'm going to school. Fine. Then they get a job and they say to me, Joe, and look, I've been an activist for 50 years, so I have seen this. They say, well, Joe, you know, I'm trying to establish my career. Okay, fine. Then they say, oh, Joe, I've met the love of my life and we're going to have a family. Then for the next 20 years, well, you know, we've got to look after the kids. Then they say to me, you know, Joe, I'll be able to retire soon. You know, I will be able to retire soon and then I can help you. Now, I've been around long enough to know that when you retire, that you're still a prisoner. You're a prisoner of a superannuation scheme where you have to rely on the capitalist system to provide your retirement. That's right, isn't it? it? Superannuation, great. You pay for your own retirement. I love it. And then you say, and then, and then the kids come up to you and say, oh, you know, this childcare is so expensive. Can you look after the grandkids for us four days a week, five days a week, six days a week? And so you're born, you're educated, you work, you have a family, you have commitments, you retire, you die. And you've never had that time to actually change the course of your life and change the history, change the course of the community you're involved in. You don't have that time. You never will unless you 
make that time. People say to me, Joe, how can you organise all these things? And I say, well, it's very simple. I don't waste my time. I don't lie around. You want to change things? You want to change things? You need to... uh... Ooh, we've got... God has intervened on our program. Ah, she's gone. It's okay. Your music came from... It's all right. These things happen on live broadcasts. Don't worry. That's life. Okay. So what I'm saying to you is, look, New Year's resolution, become active, become involved. You don't want to join Pepsi? Fine. There will be many activities which you'll organise for 2019. Whether whether we have change or not, or whether at the end of 2019, if I'm still alive, I'll be you know giving you the same spiel, is ultimately depends on you. I can only do so much. The people I'm involved in, the Anarchist Institute, can only do so much. The people in all the other organisations we're involved in can only do so much. Ultimately, if you want change, if you want your children to live in a secure world, if you want them to be able to be, develop themselves to their fullest potential in a secure environment, well, then you need to be involved in that struggle for change. Everything, everything we enjoy today in our society has is due to the struggles of the past, is due to the blood, sweat, tears, emotions, hope, desire of generations before us who have created this world for us. And for the first time in human history, we find ourselves in a situation where things are going backwards, not just for individuals, but for communities and nation states and the world as a whole. And we've allowed that to occur because we've withdrawn from the political process and the social process and the cultural process. We've withdrawn. So in 2019, pull the finger out, get involved, join Pipsy, get involved. I don't care what you do, but get out of that cocoon, get out there, break free, be part of a social and political movement to create an egalitarian community. You'll be listening to the Anarchist World this week, courtesy of the Community Radio Network on your local community radio station. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. Email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano for the Public. You will not find out the colour of my underpants. Have a great end of year. Have a great New Year's Eve. See you next week. Evil minds that plot destruction. Don't worry, leave it in. It's all part of a live broadcast. Don't edit it out, whatever you'll you never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. And that's that's the Australian verb. Yeah, Sacred cow 10am, every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.